that asshole Dan Starling has gotten me into fucking Fortnite. It's great, isn't it? It's fucking awful. <laughs> but you can you can buy digital representations of all the media that you love and have them. Oh, uh, I know. In this I had video to talk, game. I had to talk my wife down from spending V bucks on infinite dabbing emote. I have I had to explain to my partner the V buck economy uh, because for Christmas they had gotten me a <laughs> V buck gift card and I had to explain to them all of the things that I could get with this V buck gift card and why I chose to spend that on an emote of me doing the Wu-Tang symbol with cream playing in the background. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, actually, I'll say the, the only thing I was disappointed in, I can't believe we're having Fortnite talk. Uh, the only thing I was disappointed Absolutely. in it's the podcast, in the and we're not even official. We're not even, we haven't even officially started yet either. The, That's the, the thing that kills me. It's the thing podcast. that, uh, and w so you're the baseball girl. Okay, good. All right. Excellent. I'm currently, uh, Ash from evil dead. Um, Absolutely. because and, of course you are. Yeah. And it I has, have, uh, yes, I have a little car from Rocket League on my back. It's a backpack. <laughs> uh, Fantastic. Yeah, and uh, and and I hate myself. So anyway, uh, let's let's actually get on with the show that this is already like, a disaster on. I feel I'm about to say I'm I'm mad now that I feel like you just wasted a good three minutes worth of uh Oh, that'll be in there somewhere. I'm editing this yeah. somewhere. I yeah. can't. Okay, good. I, this, this public shaming has to go somewhere. <laughs> it's all right. It's okay to like things. You know, it's yeah, just but, you okay, have to but, also accept. No, no. How old? Are <laughs> I am 25 years old. I'm 35 <laughs> years old. That's not okay for me. I don't even. By the way, children. <laughs> By the way, I love how this show has gone to the way now that legitimately we fall decades off. Like, I'm 46, you're 35, Noah's 25. This is horrible for me. Yeah, because so you're both, you are both speaking English. You're both speaking a language I understand, but neither of you have said a thing. I don't know what in the blue hell you're talking fucking, about. You know what this so, is? This is like a, a f***ed up Benny Hill sketch. Yeah, like, so, this yeah. is... This is who's on first, but the instead of it being a base, it's it's just like a, a time clock. Yeah, it's right? just nude, nudes for V bucks is is home. <laughs> uh, you know, like in the in the Judge Dredd comic books, how there's like everybody that lives in the Gilded City, and then yes. there's everyone on the outskirts. Uh, everyone on the outskirts are people who don't like Fortnite. Us in the Gilded City uh, is everyone who does like Fortnite. I just want everyone to be aware of that going forward. And but here's the thing, I got dragged into the city. I didn't want to be yes. in the city. I liked being in the outskirts. It was for your own safety. Eight years ago, three nerds created a little independent wrestling podcast that could, but over time, that podcast has grown into not just covering wrestling, but all things under the nerd rainbow. From Marvel to the Muppets, from Frank Sinatra to Count Chocula, from Mickey Mouse to CM Punk. Now, here is some combination of Chad, Zach, and Luna as we welcome you to the IndieCast. All nerd, all the time, exclusively on the WNRN. So everyone, uh, girls, gays, theys, uh, please, warmest of welcomes to our guest on this episode, the one and only Noah Vale. Noah, thank you for joining us on the IndieCast. I'm sorry that I had therapy on top of you there. I apologize. No, you're you're absolutely okay. Big, thank big you bug. for titling this episode Nudes for V-Bucks uh, in my honor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, anyways. This is, this is a whole currency I never knew was a thing until now. And it's a whole oh, the v -buck con Yeah, the V-Buck conversion rate is 100% real, and it is expensive. 
I'm just glad I can get nudes for it at least. Now I know when I, if I ever come across beatbox, <laughs> I got nudes on the way. Chad's gonna start scooping up uh, gift cards for beatbox. <laughs> You're he's speaking my language now. Christmas is showing up early. Uh, well, anyway, it's actually, I'm, my booking fee. Yeah. Oh, there. that's true. I'm gonna make a note I'm, of that. We'll we'll we'll, we'll rest for V-Bucks. I will write that down. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to strip clubs. I'm going to a strip club later on today, and I'm going to tip with V bucks. That's just hey, you absolutely. know what? They're yeah. going to be thrilled. They will be. <laughs> so, uh, Noah, one thing we do uh, in addition to an, a completely unhinged rant beforehand, uh, we also <laughs> like to start our episodes with a little segment we call the lightning round, where yeah. uh, Chad will run through a series of questions, uh, kind of mm. personality quiz style questions, uh, and then careful. you answer them honestly and openly uh as long-winded or as short-winded as you would like and uh and we learn more about you this is intended to uh, kind of bring people up to speed on the enigma that is no avail so chad right. please take it away thank you we're, we're after after 10 minutes we're finally on track for the <laughs> we show made it. Yay! we made it uh well, no, question Question number one, uh, and we'll get the obvious podcast question out of the way. Who trained you, and when did you debut? I was trained by Anthony Devlin at Definitive Wrestling International, and I debuted in October of 2017, I believe. Okay. Uh, wh what is your first wrestling memory? My first wrestling memory... Oh, gosh. Uh, it is my mother walking into the room while I was watching... Vengeance 2001 when I think it's either Tori Wilson or Stacey Keebler is managing the Dudley boys. Uh, Big Show puts her over her knee and takes off her skirt and my mother is yelling at me for watching Smut. <laughs> well. <laughs> uh, That's amazing. But, by the way, 2000 2001. Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Yeah, um, you're, you're, you're about to, I can see you fading away like yeah. in Back to the Future. Like you can, you, you can see through your hand right now. Uh, Question three for the lightning round. What is the last movie that made you cry? The last movie that made me cry? Oh, gosh. Um, I have a horrible track record with crying. It's a trauma response. Um, I Great. believe the last movie that would have made me feel that, probably the Steven Universe movie. Okay. Okay. Now, are you more of a TV show person or a movie person? Um... <sighs> This all right, caveat TV shows. Uh, I don't watch television shows with real people in them generally. I mainly Great. watch cartoons. As far as movies go, uh, I can watch pretty much anything. Um, okay. but if I have to if I have to pick one over the other, I'd probably go with uh, movies. Okay, interesting. I and I only ask that because I am noticing as I as I grow in my twilight years, I I <laughs> notice more and more that um, there are people who just aren't movie people anymore, and they're just like, no, nah, just streaming stuff, and that's it. And I'm like, oh, okay. I do not understand those human beings. I've never, I, my, I, I, like, I kind of get it because it's the same reason why I can't watch shows with real people, and it. it's just I would rather watch something with giant robots. But that's just because I'm a child. Mm -hmm. So fair enough. Uh, question number four: uh, We have discovered in our time, in the almost nine years we've been doing the show. Uh, that for the most part, every wrestler has the following, and I'm interested to see what yours is. What is your go-to Waffle House order? I have only been to Waffle House once. Really? Okay. Okay. I am what was it, very... What, what was your thoughts on Waffle House then? Um, I understand why everyone likes it. If it is 3 o'clock in the morning and I want to get something to eat, I would much rather go to McDonald's. 
Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Now, are you a breakfast person in general or no? Uh, <clears throat> eggs, yes. Bacon, yes. But m- for most of the, I will just eat whatever I have on hand for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Food, food doesn't have a time in my brain. Ah. Okay. I feel like that would be like the name of your like alternative cookbook. <laughs> food doesn't have a time in my brain. <laughs> Food does not have a time in other Eldridge recipes. There you go. Perfect. By the way, can I state for the record, I, I did go to McDonald's this morning because I, I do uh, I do love me some breakfast foods. And uh, the uh, McDonald's here in my neighborhood uh, basically breakfast uh, cock-teased me this morning okay. by having a sign-up for the return of the bagel sandwiches. Uh, oh, yeah. And apparently... And apparently they put the sign up early because they're not actually ready yet. So I got all That's excited because I'm like, oh, steak, oh, the steak bagels back? Hell yeah. And they're like, oh, no, that doesn't start till the 31st. I'm like, well, then take this fucking sign down or start making me one, damn it. Because you're. That sounds like a reason to commit arson. Yeah, they were like, yeah, no, <laughs> I, just kidding. Yeah, they, I, I was quite I was quite sad for the rest of the day. Um Last question and the uh, important one from the lightning round, I think, or at least a, an important one to me because I'm always interested. Marvel or DC and why? Marvel movies, DC books. Uh, uh, why? Uh, Marvel's movies and cinematic universe is very tight, but their books are kind of meh just because I, I'm not a I won't, <laughs> DC. The universe building in terms of the comic books I really like. Plus, I'm a Flash and Green Lantern fan, and I haven't had a good movie from one of those um, ever, actually. So, you know. And well, now, by the way, the by the way, the Flash is going. You're still not going to right now. So. Right, yeah, true. Um, so now that's opened up uh, Pandora's box here, because now I have a thousand questions I want to ask about Flash and Green Lantern specifically. Um, yes. So number one, did you ever read? This is going to be the segment. Did you ever read? Uh, did you ever read uh, Flashpoint? Yes, of course. Okay. What were your thoughts on Flashpoint? And do you subscribe to my conspiracy conspiracy theory that Flashpoint was originally supposed to just be an Elseworld, and then because it was selling well, they decided to use it as a catalyst to relaunch the universe? Um, my thoughts on Flashpoint. God. Uh. Very good. I feel like it set a bad precedent for the DC universe going forward because it made them go, well, we can just make a bunch of dark versions of all of our characters and everyone will buy them, Mm -hmm. Um, which is kind of garbage because it's led to them just making a bunch of dark Elseworlds instead of just making cooler stories. Um, And as far as your conspiracy theory... I don't know because they have a track record of using Flash as a reason to reboot things. So like mm-hmm. that's true. Maybe maybe this is me giving them too much credit, but I feel like that's a deliberate choice because when do they actually use Flash for anything besides rebooting the universe? That's true. That's a good point. Now, the reason why I have that conspiracy theory is if you read the so what? So, so main mainline Flashpoint is 6 issues. So Just if you read if you like read the first two, there's a lot of building. We're introducing a lot of like kind of crazy concepts. Everything's well and good. And then suddenly, about midway through, things start feeling rushed. And then at the end, it's just like, oh no, whatever, whatever, whatever. Hey, hell, hey, Pandora opened the box. <laughs> hey, now it's a new universe. You know. 
you know, uh, uh, New York is flooding for some reason. Aquaman's pissed. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the fact that reverse flash is the catalyst for the whole thing. And he's undone by Batman, just fucking stabbing him with a sword. And, and, and the reason they're like, well, wait a minute, isn't he moving like so fast? How would it even penetrate? Like, oh, he was being an asshole and he wasn't paying attention. Like, oh, is that how that works? So, uh, so I, I always felt disappointed that it just felt like they just sort of threw it away because they were like, ah, we're rebooting. Um, no, I can, I can understand that. I can understand that. And then, second question: Who is your favorite Green Lantern? Um, gosh, uh, it would be. Can I go with any Lantern Corps, or does it have to be specifically Green Lantern? Oh, that's a great. Uh, all right, that's a great follow-up question. No, you don't have to be exclusively Green Lantern. Okay, that makes me less. Uh, if it's specifically Green Lantern, uh, it's a tie between John Stewart and Kyle Rayner, just because Kyle Rayner makes weird things, and John Stewart is the 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 panel of him going. Uh, I'm I don't wear a mask because I'm a black man in space is genuinely my favorite thing ever, and and affirmed something in me as a child. Very powerful. Um, and then if I'm going across, uh, I'd probably say either. Larfalees or the Indigo Lanterns as a concept because that is some of the most like terrifying shit I've ever heard in my entire life. I feel like not to not to, to sully this uh, this podcast with wrestling talk, but I've always thought that Larfalees <laughs> would work beautifully as a wrestler persona. Oh, 100 100 just like just avarice personified, um, and the idea of like taking things and absorbing them into your character to now, like you have your own NWO because you've just beaten all these people and have absorbed them. Like the closest we've, be interesting. we've gotten is probably Ted DiBiase with Virgil simply because the concept of true, I'm going to give you a hundred dollars. You now work for me. I'm going to buy dusty Rhodes fucking valet that he had been carrying around with him. Uh, or, or even just, Hey, here's $500 kiss my, like the concept of that is very largely a hundred percent, but I, he needed to do more buying people as horrible as that sounds. <laughs> well, buying people and having it last. Cause that was always the thing mm-hmm. with Larfleys is he could just generate these things that, you know, his, his, his lantern core were just sort of the ghosts of things that he had absorbed. Um, Which is so goddamn cool. <laughs> so good answers. My, my favorite green lantern is guy Gardner, because of course it is. And, uh, okay, that makes yeah, yeah, I respect that. I, and my reasoning for that is Guy Gardner, as a Green Lantern, is an enormous asshole, but his existence makes superheroes feel more real to me as a reader. Okay, because if you're suggesting to me as a reader, hey, in this world, through whatever mm-hmm. means, some people have extraordinary abilities. Okay, I can follow you on that. And many of these people use these extraordinary abilities to save the day in better things. Okay, I can follow you on that. But if you're asking me to follow you on, and all of these people who have been given you know, incredible abilities and choose to do good are all sweet angel baby Jesus that never do anything wrong, and there are no assholes who cut them off in superhero traffic, I don't buy it. Yeah. So Guy Gardner just being an asshole because that's what he does makes the make 'em up world of superheroes a little realer to me. 
that's why I uh, personally, for me, to sully this wrestling podcast with more not wrestling talk, uh, I personally like Lex Luthor so much as a villain for mm. Superman because I enjoy the concept because I know myself as a human being. And I know that if something akin to Superman were to exist in the real world, I would probably also be like, I don't want that to exist. That thing challenges every known base of knowledge that humans have and falls into question whether or not we can protect ourselves from foreign and extraterrestrial enemies. And this is a problem for all of mankind. And not everyone is just kind of like, hey, Batman, save me. Like, I like them having that sort of wider spectrum. I don't remember where I'd heard it. But I remember hearing somebody describe Lex Luthor as like, if there was no Superman, he would be like, he would go down in history as like the greatest person that's ever lived because he would cure every disease and he would create unbelievable technology because he wants the spotlight. He wants the recognition. And with the existence of Superman, it doesn't matter what Lex Luthor does. He will never be more extraordinary than this alien. And that's what like burns his ass. And I was like, that's Absolutely. a great character motivation more so than just like, I'm stealing cakes. It, like it's just... literally the battle between man versus like God. Right. Like it, it's you, it, it is, Hey, God exists. This basically makes anything that humanity does completely and totally trivial. Well, that's bullshit. <laughs> like right. that sucks. Well, and and I think to tie back to your original answer about uh, Marvel movies being, you know, the the strong suit there and DC books, um, I feel like that's the big drawback of why people struggle with telling like a a good Superman movie is, especially in the more recent attempts, it's been very much a, a, a labor of like, well, how do we make him more like Batman? Because Batman's interesting. Right. When the reality of the situation is, no, no, no. The story to tell with Superman is not, oh, gee whiz, he's the sweetest good guy ever, and he does no wrong, and how do we make it interesting? The story is, how do you live when you're God and everyone else is just a normal person? 100%. Like, how how do you try to exist in a world where you are God and nobody can touch you? Like, that's crazy. And that's there's, compelling. there's a book. Uh, it's like it, it's an early book of like it, it's Joker in the first couple of years. And he goes to Metropolis, sets up a bunch of bombs and everything. And uh, Superman shows up and he he plays along with the Joker a little bit, laughs with him and everything. And during the course of the conversation, he disarms all the bombs, throws them at Joker and tells him to get out of his city or he's going to kill him. Oh, uh, Joker reacts uh, like in the traditional way he would with Batman where he's like, but what about your honor and your code? And Superman's like, yeah, that's kind of like a suggestion for me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So he, he, he sends him out. He goes to talk to Batman and everything. And this for me is what solidifies the difference between the two of them is Batman is like getting on his ass about you've broken your moral code and, and, uh, you know, you've compromised yourself, and Superman's just like, hey, people are going to die. If he shows back up in Metropolis, I'm going to melt him. And for me, that's the difference between, like, Superman and the other members of the Justice League and a Batman story. 
Batman is the most human member of all of the Justice League, and thusly his his stories are more boots to ground, human detective kind of deals, because that's all he can do. Versus the other members of the Justice League, one of which is a cop in fucking space, uh, one can change the course of history by running on a at a brisk pace down the street. One is a liter is from a a, a a Greek island in the middle of fucking we don't even know, and then the other is literally God. And yeah, they've got some different those, responsibilities and some different uh, orders of operation versus the, the rich guy. Hundred percent. So I have, but, you know, Batman's easier. Right. I, I have two very inter- I have two uh, ponderings based off of off of that. There. First off, does that mean all Green Lanterns are bastards? I that, that as soon like as he said that, I was like, "Oh no, a cap, yeah, Green Lanterns yeah. as well." <laughs> yeah, oh shit! Well, A-Cap, sorry, Hal. A caps for, all, A-Cap's for all Green, Green Lanterns well. are bastards. Yeah. And, all um, Green Lanterns are bastards. Oh, sorry, and then Hal. I and I do love how there was the. Like the, I love the storyline where you know, hey, he sets a bunch of bombs, he stops them all, leave or I kill you. Which uh, the funny part is, if Superman doesn't do it and a bomb goes off, then you're basically an injustice now because that's, that's what true. you know. That's the injustice storyline. There is like the nuke goes off, Joker gets the last, you know, gets a laugh in, and then Superman melts him into into a puddle of goo. So. Yep. Uh, so what is your what is your favorite? Um, uh, no, not favorite. Favorite is stupid. Uh, if you were going to convince somebody who is not into comic books into getting into comic books, what would be a Batman story that you would point them in the direction of? Oh, God, um, it would not be killing joke. Uh, I know that off rip. Um, probably something fun. I'd probably either go. I honestly, it probably wouldn't be a Batman story. It would probably be. um God, I have to remember their their name. Uh, when Batman and Super together, it's World's Finest, I believe. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I would probably point them in the direction of a World's Finest story, just because there's enough to. The problem with Batman, a lot of people are just like, I have to show them Killing Joke, or I have to show them, you know, something that is gritty and dark to get their toes into it. But I feel, for me personally, you gotta ease people into things you can't just jump them into the shallow end and be like hey do you like this thing where joker cripples a woman in like the first 30 fucking pages it's like no i want to see batman do batman things and then maybe slowly we you know hey here's zazz here's fucking firefly and then like oh yeah by the way here's dr pig or whatever his name is um but that's probably where i'd start i'd probably start with some of the world's finest issues just because that's that's my kind of favorite Batman-ish stuff. Um, okay. Can I say thank you? Thank you for bringing up Professor Pig, by the way. Highly underrated Absolutely. Batman villain. So <sighs> That motherfucker gives me nightmares. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Terrifying. Terrifying. Now, uh, I do want to, to shift gears slightly. Um, we've mentioned, thanks to uh, the wonders of Fortnite, we did talk about music right at the start here. Um, I did a little digging and saw that you I, somewhat uh, angrily, someone begrudgedly are a fan of They Might Be Giants, which I found very interesting. Um, they Might Be Giants is a mimetic virus that has followed me throughout my entire childhood. <laughs> um, 
when I was a wee lad and I would watch a lot of Cartoon Network, they did a um, a special kind of like bumper series where they would have different popular artists uh, make songs about whatever cartoon. So yes, Will I Am uh, did a song about. I was going to say if if uh, it was basically to fill in time between programming blocks. So if like an episode yep. of something ended too early and there weren't enough commercials to fill in, yeah, they made like these sort of music extended music videos yep. of, of new content. I, I absolutely fondly remember these as well. Um, the ones that I remember most vividly are the will I am Dexter's lab one, um, the Devo, uh, Powerpuff girls one, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the ska Jabberjaw oh, song. Hell yeah. That was my favorite. <laughs> Um, and then also, uh, they might be giants did one for courage, the cowardly dog. Correct. And I did not at the time know what they might be giants was, but as I got older, me and my family got a D and D ripoff that had Istanbul by they might be giants on it. Time goes forward. That song is stuck in my head. I find it again when I'm a teenager, then I find communists find the music. And then I just, it's just, a a, a wave of. They might be giants music that's just slowly kind of trickled and followed me throughout my life, and it's just this is this is who I am. Now, interestingly for me, very very similar uh, origin story on that. However, it wasn't the Cartoon Network bumpers; it was the Tiny Toon Adventures music videos. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, All right, they did it. A- they did an episode where it was like a video jukebox. And so instead of Cartoon Network, where they were like, Hey, we got these like current artists to do music about a cartoon. They were just like, Hey, we're just ripping music off. And then we're just going to animate something for it. And so, uh, they did, uh, Istanbul, they did particle man. Um, I think that might've been the only two. They might be giants. Then they did like, um, uh, money they did i think they did Sinead o'connor at one point like it was wiling out it was the 90s but um that was where my first introduction to they might be giants uh was and so it's just like you know yeah you're absolutely right they're just they sort of like crop up in pop culture every once in a blue moon it's and you're just like oh hey yeah. it's the weirdest thing ever i remember this is my only other they might be giants uh story i remember uh luna and i were like first dating and I'm very secretive about uh, my taste in music because mm-hmm. like, I'm very outgoing on my taste in movies. But when it comes to music, I keep that very private because I'm very ashamed of like my awful taste in music. And so okay. we were listening to like a mix CD that I had made or something like that. And it, had, it had, um, I don't even know what the fucking song is called, but it's like a children's song, um, by they might be giants about like how the sun works. Um, okay. It's, it's, it's very catchy. And so it just happens to come on the mixtape and I get like really sweaty. I'm like, Oh my God. And the absolute worst thing, like the thing I was fearing most would happen, happened. The song's playing. We're being quiet. And it's like a kid's kid's song. If I can find it, I'm going to play it on this episode so everybody can hear it. But we're sitting in silence for a second and Luna goes, what the fuck? are we listening to? And I'm like, I'm, I'm devastated. I'm like crushed. Um, and I'm like, oh, it's the thing. I might be trying to clue, whatever. It's the song called. Why does the sun shine? Yes, it is. 
Um, I am. Um, I'm using my Spotify to play background music right now, and immediately I was like, ah. For... And Got so, it. two months go by. We're you know we're driving somewhere else. She's playing a mix, and that fucking song comes on, and I'm like, hey, what is this? And she's like, that song has been stuck in my head ever since yep. you first played it. And I was like, hey, it's a good yep. song, man. It's a good song. Good songs can be educational. Absolutely, they can. Can I just tell you how, how old I'm feeling right now? Because the nearest thing I have to you guys is like, hey, do you remember when Jerry Reed was on Scooby-Doo? And that's like the only <laughs> thing, I, the oh only thing I got. Hey, man. You had to help solve a mystery. It happens. Yeah. Look. I'm not going to judge. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm sure there's tons of old stuff that I like that I have no reason to at my baby age. You are you are indeed an infant. Um. So, uh, Noah, you and I have actually had some conversations in a Portillo's where a girl tried to uh, offer you anything under the sun for your uh, tiny crop top brat shirt. Uh, we've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, <laughs> wrestling, true story, uh, wrestling and, and sort of the ins and outs of it. And you have experienced both obviously in ring action and also some of like the promotion booking side as well. Um and you and I have talked about on uh, before about the importance of character, uh, the importance of gimmick, um, really sort of, you know, in ring, you know, obviously fundamental, but to really be memorable is, is, is the true art of wrestling. Um, Absolutely. and you know, I, I've been seeing in our state here in Florida and other places that sometimes that seems to be the biggest hurdle for a lot of young wrestlers is really figuring that part out figuring out their voice um so what are your thoughts on that in general was that something that you ever struggled with and and if not do you have any kind of advice for other young wrestlers who are struggling to figure out like what is my persona how do i present myself to be interesting and not just like hey i'm a guy in tights and here we go um God, the second the second answer will be easier for me to answer than the first one. So I'm going to do the second one first. All right. uh, as as far as any tips that I would give to people, um, I I'm sure that I've stolen this. I I can't give credit to where I've stolen it from, but um, there's this thing that I typically use for my look uh, or my just sort of general uh, aesthetic when it comes to being. A professional wrestler that I use kind of like a litmus test for my gimmick, uh, and I call it the action figure test. Um, if you, when walking through the store, would see an action figure of yourself and buy that action figure, uh, then you're good. If you would look at that action figure and go, "That's boring," you should probably uh, do some work, whether it be about you know um, gear, persona, or anything of that nature. Um, I would also say. Don't try to force something. Um, you want it to be an extension of yourself, if not just yourself turned up to 11. So think of the things that you think are cool, what you like in media, whether it be video games, comic books, uh, movies, so on and so forth. Find that thing. Try to figure out your own spin on it and how you as a person would portray yourself as that thing. And then kind of kind of take it from there in a sense. Um as far as the first question of uh, if it was something that came easy to me, absolutely not. Um, I the hardest thing for me, 
I think has been the fact that through my gimmick and through my my wrestling career and character, I have almost sort of discovered things about myself through uh, the persona or what what you would say um, of no avail. Um, so as time has kind of gone on, there's been things about myself that I've kind of discovered and and things that I like and things that I don't like and just not being afraid to try out new things and see what sticks. Um, I've can't say that I've gone through many characters. They've all been one thing. It's just kind of been different uh, phases, almost uh, like Pokemon evolutions, in a sense. Excellent, excellent. But but see, but, but see, that's I think the beauty of wrestling is the fact that you can discover things about yourself through it. If you're doing it with enough passion, I think you can absolutely discover things about yourself and some of them as you pointed out not always good but it's something to to learn and grow from absolutely like for me i think of professional wrestling just in general as a bit of a journey you know i mm-hmm. i my my end goals are very uh not i wouldn't say aligned with what everyone else's might be or what everyone would think would be the end goal for getting into uh an industry such as ours um so for me, it's more so about the journey rather than the destination, if anything. And the one thing that I always, that I've found out about myself uh, personally is I hate more than anything going into a locker room and having someone that looks even slightly remotely similar to me. It's, it's a thing that I have had since I was but a wee babe. Um, I very much enjoy my individual, my individualism, and I very much enjoy being me. Um, it's why so many of my clothes I'll customize or so on and so forth, just because I want that little piece of myself to be in everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so a big thing about my character was trying to make sure that I was as, I don't want to say as much of myself, but trying to make sure that I was something that, if I were to go in a locker room, whether it be here or Tennessee, or if I was going to New York or California or anything like that, that I wouldn't just stumble upon somebody who happens to be wearing the exact same thing as me or present themselves in a similar way to me or anything like that. And it not be a clear distinction, which one of us is no avail and which one is whomever I might be uh, opposed to, for instance. Um, But well, it, and it took some work for sure. Understood. And I think, uh, I think, um, that sort of mentality of like, you want to be an individual and you don't want, you know, I've, I've experienced an element of that as well as a, as a, uh, husky gent with, uh, with vision impairment and, and facial hair. Uh, there's a lot of me around. Wrestling. Um, and and flamboyant party dad shirts are very in right now. So a lot of my look, I'm like, oh hey, I look just like this guy. Um, but I feel like the magic of wrestling is that is both human nature to be like, well, I kind of want to stand out and be my own person, and also like in a weird, awful way, it's sort of like the marketing side too of like, yeah, well, how can you get people to want to support you if you're a clone? If you're just a diamond, if you're Ben Riley to fucking Peter Parker. How are people going to give a shit? The clone saga sucked. So I feel like there's like a super scary, unhealthy so cool. thing too. But uh, no, Scarlet Spider was the shit and he is my favorite Spider-Man. Um, but 
there's like a weird unhealthy thing of that too, I think, in yeah. terms of a sad, cold marketing point of view. But also I think it's a beautiful human being kind of point of view of like, yeah, just be your own person. Don't, you know. I, I am kind of interested. Do you uh, do you kind of plan extra gear or anything like that with you in case you walk in and somebody's looking similar so that you can, um, do you, or, or are you just like, uh, it is there in your gear bag, is there a, in case of emergency show ass? Is that... Is that a yeah. thing? <laughs> um, so not to pull. All right. So this is going to, I, someone's going to call mental health professionals on me. So in my gear bag, I have, I have a total of, I have a total of four different pairs of gear. Okay. Um, I have biker, I have, uh, I have bikers. I have my leather and leopard print set. I have a red leopard print set and I have a pink leopard print set. Um, I also carry with me, usually if it's an in-state show, if it's an out-of-state show, I will have to narrow down what gear I'm actually going to be wearing because of color matching and fashion. Um, but if it's an in-state show, I usually have on me at any time, probably like two fur coats, um, and maybe like three extra pieces of entrance jackets that I could wear depending upon what color and scheme i'm going for as well as whether i'm feeling particularly masculine feminine what have you because weird gender stuff um but i carry so much not just because of the the marketing reasons and of, and of course because um in case i do walk in and somebody's wearing a leopard print i can be like all right cool i'm just gonna wear the red or the pink or whatever um but also sometimes I just can't fucking choose. And and <laughs> like, I won't know until I get there what I feel like wearing, to be honest. If it's if it's red colored lights, I probably won't wear the red set, to be honest. All right, that's fair. And now I, I'm also interested in you did kind of mention, you know, if I, you know, because you uh, you do identify as a non-binary and you did mention if you're feeling masculine or feminine. Have um uh, thankfully, at least from the uh, many times I've seen you at different shows, you usually get a, a. I haven't noticed any majorly negative reactions in the shows I've been at, at least. Not particularly. But but I'm sure they might be out there. How how do you deal with the close-minded? And yes, if you're if you're listening to this and you're feeling insulted by what I'm saying now, good. Good. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, you shouldn't be listening to this show anyway. Shut it off. Um, not even just for Noah being on here. For every Who's show we do, yeah. shut it off. Um, but for the close-minded assholes that are out there that would, I, I'm sure, say something ridiculous. How, how do you how do you deal with that that type of fan? Um, fan God. in big quotes. I'm lucky enough to where I haven't had too many situations about that. Good. Um, thankfully, um, really most of the time, I think for me, it's, it's a majority of, of what I get is children kind of looking at me and being like almost confused because they didn't know that was an option. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Um, so for a lot of the parents, they usually will, I think a lot of the ones that might have an issue with it tend to avoid me, um, usually because I am not, and I can I can probably uh, attribute this to my my RBF, but I'm 
typically not a very approachable human being. Um, when I'm fully in garb, uh, I can look like a Disney villain. And that can be very off-putting to certain people. Um, children, however, are fascinated. And for them, if they aren't – if they haven't been around a person like me or somebody who is comfortable with their uh, gender identity or uh, portraying themselves in a light that they wouldn't necessarily be too familiar with uh, based upon their physical uh, attributes or what have you uh, – they can get a bit curious. Like, I've had more kids than I can count ask me when I come through the curtain at, like, just blank face stare at me and just ask me what I am, which I always find both adorable and also kind of exciting because I'm like, ah, there's probably a little, a little, you've probably got some rainbow in your soul, kid. And I'm like, <laughs> let's make sure that you know that that shit's okay. <laughs> Well, I was uh, just going to say, uh, as someone who has experienced this live, uh, I believe, Noah, at one of the brawl shows that we were at, <laughs> you had sold a, a large number of posters, and yes. uh, we had kind of come to the conclusion that the chances are you were somebody's awakening at that show. 100%. Be a child, 100%. adult, or anything in between, somebody's mind was blown. And that is what my goal is is and shall always be for all of eternity is uh there aren't a lot of people like me in uh florida there are slightly more in the southeastern united states but you know they're uh we're a very scattered uh lot so i try to at least for me i guess uh whether you're it's racial identity or whether it's gender identity or what have you. I want people to kind of look at me and be like, oh, okay, it's okay for me to be weird. That's really all that I, I care about particularly is because I know when I was younger, I had role models and adults that I could look at who told me it's okay to be weird. And, you know, I just kind of, I guess my existence uh, is to continue that message. Thankfully. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Zach Romero, I would like to pause very briefly here uh, to ask, uh, uh, to say a, a statement I have not said in a while. Uh, rainbow in your soul, and it's okay to be weird. Why are those not on shirts? If we could please make that happen. Yes. Uh, I both can, I can both of those are wonderful. So uh, now, Noah, we've had some laughs, we've had some giggles here, but, uh, and we've shared some stories and some feelings. However, um, I would be remiss if I did not ask you a very, very, uh, serious question here. And one that we've, uh, we've had to eliminate from previous interviews, uh, at times. Noah, what is your fighting game of choice and who do you main? <laughs> um, okay. All right. Um, you asked, I love, I love that you asked the fighting game guy this. Okay. Um, I guess it would have to be by default simply because I will shout this game to the, to my death day, uh, skull girls. And my main is a uh, double. Excellent. Now I full disclosure, uh, a good friend of mine, a, a, uh, 
co-host on a different podcast of mine, uh, James Wolf, is a huge fighting game guy. Um, okay. And so he and I have both kind of dipped our toes into Skullgirls a little bit. But of course, as all haven't, do. But haven't gotten super in-depth in it. Um, what drew you in initially, and what makes it the best uh, uh, fighting game in your opinion? Um, what drew me into Skullgirls was the animation style of all the characters. I was very fascinated by the fact that it's fully uh, 2D it, versus it being three-dimensional sprites or your normal 32 to 64-bit sprites. Um, it's all hand-drawn, like frame-by-frame frame animation. Um, and then what for me makes it the best for me is just the personality, the flamboyancy of it, the character of all of the uh, available choices that one has as fighters, as well as the fact that it is a love letter to my second favorite fighting game franchise, Marvel vs. Capcom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it makes me very happy in everything from its aesthetic to just it's great i my goal is to come out to the Skullgirls theme uh dress as one of the characters if i can ever get booked on a con show with enough of pageantry I'm, uh uh that's a separate that's a whole other thing i'm impressed i'm impressed um have you ever gone to like the this might be a silly question have you done like legit tournaments and gone to like ceo and all that stuff i haven't had the opportunity to go to ceo yet um the year i wanted to for new japan i ended up going out of town with my partner at the time um my plan this year fingers crossed is to go to it this year because i want to try and get the bucket list of ceo and evo and i have a couple friends who are like like semi-pro pro players um okay and i just need to get off my ass and actually go um but as far as like other tournaments and stuff like that i've dabbled in a tournament here or there never anything super serious it's mo mostly just been to have fun because i know i'm not going to make it out of pools because i really like fighting games but i'm goddamn terrible at them I, I feel a kinship here that I, I feel I have a, a, a big love for video games in general, but uh, for the most part, I'm pretty fucking awful. And that goes especially for fighting games. Always have enjoyed fighting games, always have loved fighting games, always have been pretty shit at them. Um, although I there was a time I was doing OK in Tekken. Uh, there was a time, but that's that was that was a young man's game. Now it's just beating kids on wendy's wi-fi and smash that's that's my days I, now i always Sometimes thought i was like honest work right i was i was always thought i was good at fighting games until my daughter started kicking my ass in injustice and then i realized <laughs> i was getting old but yeah. hey you know what the ganon challenge in smash that's a great equalizer because then the true kicking the shit out of everybody so you know i um when i was younger my uh, the fighting game that I was pretty much stuck with just because we only had PlayStation consoles was uh, Tekken. Yes. So I didn't play any other fighting game until I was already a man at that point. And by the point of me becoming a fully grown adult, uh, I was far behind most of my other contemporaries. So it was just me getting put in a blender by children left and right. And it was terrible i hated it i ran back to tekken with my body beaten and bloodied 
Uh, who's your main in Tekken? Uh, how wrong? Okay, okay, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. I'm a Steve Fox main, uh, who obviously I didn't show up until four, but uh, I but respect yeah. it. Excellent, excellent. Uh, so Chad, uh, now that I've gotten my hard hitting news uh, question out of the way, um, I believe. I believe you have some uh, hard-hitting questions to uh, pummel our uh, guest with. I will uh, go directly into the Trevin Adams memorial question, even though one Mr. Trevin Adams is not dead. <laughs> Trevin, if you're listening, hi. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> I haven't even gotten to the question yet. I love it. Yeah, it's good um, stuff. So, uh, so it goes a little something like this. Uh, Noah, it is late at night. You are just getting done with the show, and you have a rumbly in your tumbly. Uh, you come over a hill and see a shining beacon of light of food wonderfulness in front of you. Is that shining beacon of light a sheets, or is that shining beacon a Wawa? Wawa all day. That's, you know, Noah, I knew I liked you from the beginning. I really did. I never had a doubt in my mind. <laughs> now, I am questioning, Noah, have you, have you been to a sheets before? Uh, no, but I would never. Ah, I love him. That I see, an even better, him. even better answer the second time around. The sequel was even better. What a great answer! <laughs> <laughs> All right, I lose that one. So, uh, well, Zach, I'm going to tag back over to you, sir, because ah, yes. I do believe it is time for the final two. Yes. Uh, so, Noah, we've had fun here. Time to really bring the mood down. Uh, <laughs> Professional wrestling as a as a wonderful performance art. Uh, uh, this podcast was about. <laughs> yeah, well, in a very loose term. Uh, yeah. in, in the wonderful world of professional wrestling, unfortunately, we do lose a lot of talent uh, before their time. And so, uh, with that being said, who in the world of professional wrestling, in ring talent, managers, whomever, uh, that is no longer alive, would you have wanted to work with most, and why? Piper. Uh, because I, when you get down to the basest core of what no avail and who I am as a human being, I am Roddy Piper to the core. Um, to me, they exemplified everything that a shitty, uh, 19 year old punk rocker, uh, thought was cool in professional wrestling. Um, and in a weird sense, and this is a thing that I someone's going to fight me over this but I don't give a shit uh, Roddy Piper to me is a fantastic queer icon because they at a time when wearing a skirt dress or anything feminine would have gotten you fucking killed uh, walked on national television in a kilt and anytime someone called it a skirt he was ready to beat the ever loving piss out of them Very and true for me seeing somebody with long hair uh wearing something like that and having a very uh no nonsense i don't really give a shit i'm gonna do whatever i want kind of attitude really it really it really hit something inside me uh i would have i would have loved to uh either have worked with or against mr mr piper also they live was rad well, that was actually going to be my question. I was like, is it in ring in your head or are you having the, the six and a half minute street fight with Roddy Piper? I would, I'd love to have the six and a half minute street fight with Roddy Piper. I read somewhere that that was originally scripted as like, basically like a cutaway scene. 
Yes. And, and then they uh, just, they just... David and Roddy scripted the whole thing. Like they choreographed the whole thing. And John Carpenter was like, well, we're not going to have it go to waste. So yeah, great. So good. Uh, so second question. Dumb. Second question. Um, we here at the IndieCast believe that all animals in nature have certain evolutionary traits that ensure their survival. For instance, mm-hmm. giraffes have long necks, rhinos have big horns, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Our belief that human beings as an animal, their evolutionary trait is their ability to use tools. So, with that being said, no avail. If you could fight any animal, what would it be and what weapon would you use? Ooh. Um I have a personal disdain for llamas, so I would probably pick a llama. Uh, I feel like all I would need is some type of probably like you know, like one of those like the 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 hammers you use to like tenderize meat. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I just need one of those. I'd be good. There's there's a lot of there was a lot of unresolved anger in that answer. I'm a little Go, concerned. Uh, I'm not gonna I, ask. I don't trust them. Their eyes are dead inside, and <laughs> I don't. I don't like them. They're an abomination against God, and I do not trust them. I just picture like eight-year-old Noah Vale on like old McMickey's farm on a field trip, and they're like, "Oh, don't you want to pet the llama?" And you're just standing there, arms folded. No, I just don't like them. They have dead I eyes. Was, I was 17 years old at my now partner's family farm. We had set up a bonfire in the back of the house and four of those fucking demons just started mobbing around the fire. The fire didn't phase them. So all you see in the midnight twilight is just these silhouettes of these long neck bastards in the distance. There's a I'll lot trust of unresolved him. anger. There's a lot like of re- unresolved. There's gonna, like we're him. gonna need to schedule a session because there's there's a lot of anger that needs to be. There, I'm, I'm, like I'm sensing there's some there's some real unresolved issues. Uh, Chad, please take it from here. Yeah. Uh, no, this is the uh, part of the episode where one Mr. Brian Cage is officially given us permission to call. Get your shit in. Uh, tell everybody where they can find your social media, buy your merchandise, uh, see you live, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, the floor is yours. Uh, if you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at La Sex Pistola. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, it is at Noavail97. If you would like to contact me for bookings, you can book me through either of those social medias or through my eva- email at noavailbookings.com or noavailbookings at yahoo.com. I repeat, noavailbookings at yahoo.com. Uh, you can catch me at Naptown All Pro. Um, usually there once a month or so, and you can also catch me, uh, milling around the Florida scene. Uh, all of my merchandise links you can find in the descriptions of any of my social medias. Uh, and I think that that's everything. Uh, play Skullgirls. Okay. Well, there you go. The plug for Skullgirls, uh, Skullgirls, you know, needs to really, uh, sponsor you as an athlete. I think. Absolutely. Don't you I'll, I'm tagging him on Twitter right now, bro. We're starting a campaign. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, everyone, for the dozens and dozens listening all over. Thank you, of course, Noavale, for being on the show. Uh, thanks to Chad for being an incredible co-host. And uh, for everybody here, uh, I'm Zach Romero. And until next time, we always say... Thank you.
apologize. No, you're you're absolutely okay. Big, Thank big you bog. for titling this episode "Nudes for V Bucks" uh, in my <laughs> honor. <laughs> well, hope I don't poop today. You're gonna kill your again. A jump scare is the Canadian destroyer of horror films. Pardon me. Might I suck my own dick for a second? I'm ready to greet the day, you <laughs> fucker. Every single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. <laughs> it's that dirty-ass Meryl Street. We are, we're touching wieners. Not touching wieners professionally. Ric Flair said fuck a six-pack, and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am is a big, queer, stone-cold Steve Austin. Love dick. Birds don't give a fuck about your life.